So, thank you for coming and ready to worship. This, what happens up here, what just happened in worship, the worship team, they were prepared, the lights were on point, Gary nailed it on the sound, the cameras were on point, it was amazing. But nothing, none of that matters if you guys aren't here ready to worship. When you come ready to, to go into the presence of God, it makes all the difference in the world. It goes from just pleasant sounding music to worship. You guys are what makes that difference. So thank you for coming today ready to worship. Um, like I said, the last, uh, over the past month, we've been talking about worship. So I want to kind of briefly wrap up what we've learned. So three weeks ago, Pastor Peter spoke on, on worship, and he talked about bringing your best. It says in the Bible, yes, come as you are, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't bring our absolute best to God. Let's take our best into the temple. Two weeks ago, Pastor Mark talked about that we are all priests because of the work that was done on the cross by Jesus. God has made us priests. And as being priests, we are called to teach others how to worship and to lead them into the presence of God. Last week, we learned about the Holy Spirit. And that if we want the power of God in our life, we have to learn to yield to God in our life. We have to yield to his spirit every day. It's very important. If you want the power of God, we have to learn to yield to the spirit of God. Today, I want to answer a question. What does a life of worship look like? How can I do this? How can I achieve this day in and day out? So, for those of us here that are believers and have you know, professed our faith in Jesus Christ, from that first moment when you made that decision, worship changed. It became more real, more alive. It was almost, almost palpable, like it was so real and so emotional. And then over time, often it, it seems to kind of fade in its intensity or, or its impact that it has on us. The thing is that worship hasn't changed. I think today, in total, we played like six chords. Um, it's the same words in almost every song. It, it, it's worship hasn't changed. There's only so many notes to be sung. What's changed is our hearts. And what I want to say is that the intimacy you felt this morning, that closeness with God and worship, you can feel that every single day. And that's what today is about. You can take that with you every single day. So some of us, as far as the not feeling worship anymore, some of us have just straight up fallen out of relationship with God. There's no nice way to put it. You are not walking in communion with God. And that's, that happens. And today you can make a decision and fix that and get back in right standing with our Father and change that. A lot of the rest of us, just feel like you, you, don't, you don't hear the Holy Spirit anymore. You don't hear him. You know, before when you first got saved, it was like this loud voice of, of where not to go and what not to do and, and who to reach out and pray for. And you just don't feel that anymore. You don't hear it like you used to anymore. That doesn't mean he's not speaking to you. Maybe we're just not attributing the things that we're doing and hearing to being his spirit. But let's take a look at these things today. So I want to read from Luke 19... 37 through 41. When he came near the place where the road goes down 
Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Wow. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. To live a life of worship, the first thing we have to do is we have to know your Father's heart. You have to find out who God is to you. Yes, he is the creator of the universe. He's the king of kings, the alpha and the omega. Who is he to you? What does your relationship with him look like? So, to give you an example, um, some of my sisters are here. Uh, Crystal's not here. So, I have three older sisters. Uh, Crystal Brunton, who I described as earlier as she just got back from Ghana freeing sexual slaves. But I had my devotions every day this week, so I'm good too. <laughs> so we're just right on par, right, right there, doing the work. Um, she's not here. Uh, Sarah Swindell, you guys know her. She does the productions, whose props I steal, the door. Um, incredible gift, brings literally thousands of people to this church for the first time every single year. Incredible work. Aslan Boughton who is an incredible speaker, brilliant mind, has an incredible relationship with the Holy Spirit, just gets such incredibly accurate prophetic words and speaks such encouragement into our youth. And then there's me, I play the piano. So uh, I feel like the, the, the gene pool got a little watered down by the time it got to me. But I'll deal with God with that. We'll, we'll hash that out. But so those are my older sisters, and our dad is founding senior pastor Mark Evans. So if you were to describe, if you asked each one of us what our relationship with him looked like, you would get probably completely different answers. Ask him how we were raised, what he meant to us, what our, what, how he disciplined us. It's going to look almost completely different for each one of us because our Father knows what we need, what we can handle, what we can't handle, what boundaries we need. He understands how we receive discipline. We were raised in the same house with the same Father, and all of us had different experiences. But there were a few characteristics that were universal. He taught us, he taught us about grace, he, t he, he gently instructed us on the ways of the Lord. He, he gave us a place of safety. He taught us courage. He taught us how to speak truth. You know, there's universal facts about our Father that we all share. Universal characteristics. But every relationship is a little different. It's the same thing with our Father in heaven. It's really difficult to worship God when you're focused on judging someone else's worship to God. It's really difficult to do. You don't know how our Father speaks to them. He has a different relationship with each and every one of us. Now, I'm not saying 
listen, if somebody walks in here with a snake during worship, I'm judging that guy. Okay? I'm going to judge him right out the door. I'm going to kill that snake. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm saying the Lord speaks to me differently than he speaks to you. To me, he might be much more abrasive or, or straightforward to the point because that's what I need. He understands that I wane unless, unless I have a clear word from him. To others, he might be much more forgiving, much more gentle when how he speaks. Knowing your father's heart and living a life of worship will lead you to be more thankful. It will lead you to be more pleasant and looking to serve because you're frequently dwelling on what he's done for you and his relationship with you. When you have an intimate relationship with your father, you don't feel drained and exhausted all the time. You know your boundaries and you know what he wants you to do. Next point. Know your father's will. Obedience is a huge part of a life of worship. We don't always feel like it, but when we are obedient, even when we don't feel like it, it shows God that we put his will above our own. It speaks volumes about us. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Another verse, Romans 12, is, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. It's obedience. Like we learned about being a priest because of the sacrifice Christ made on that cross. Being priest means that, that we need to be obedient to God's will. And that we take those around us and we teach them how to worship. We teach them how and why we worship. They're new believers. They don't understand all the things that you may understand. They need to be taught and ushered into worship and instructed on how we should view God and how to praise him. God has made us, each and every one of us, priests in his house, and we have to teach those around us how to worship. So in my early teens, or maybe even before my teens, I wasn't great at listening or being obedient, and I just described it as I wasn't really good at life in general. Some of you have known me that long. You can proudly attest to that fact. So my dad once told me, I'll never forget it, I was helping him with a project, and I was just asking him why. Like, he's like, shark, take this. That's what he called me, a shark. Um, you can ask him to fill you in on the nickname later. Uh, he's like, shark, do this, take this over there, do that. And I, just, I was like, why? why? And he goes, okay. You're not allowed to ask me why again until you've completed the task. And that kind of became our rule. And I was like, that's dumb. I don't need to know if it's done. Like, I don't, why do I need to know if I've already done the task? That was the point. <laughs> Without fail, 100% of the time, by completing the task, I learned why he told me to do that. Either by the outcome or in the actual process of being obedient, the answer of why I was doing that was revealed to me 100% of the time. And it struck me. So I, it just it stuck out in my head as a phrase that with obedience comes understanding. Let me say that again. With obedience comes understanding. <laughs> Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. With obedience to God comes understanding. Now this statement, guys, this brings me so much peace and joy. Because I don't have to know everything. I don't have to do this in-depth, year-long sabbatical on why God told me not to have sex outside of marriage. I just have to be obedient. With obedience comes understanding. All you have to do is stick to the path that God has called you to do, and he will tell you why he put you on that path. Or the fruits of that path will show you why he put you on that path. You will not believe how many, how many rocks God steers you clear of that you look back in your, in your life and you're like, oh my goodness, I was heading straight for those cliffs and I didn't see it. If I hadn't have listened to him, everything would be different. With obedience comes understanding. Now, my son Mark, as you guys know, um, has autism. And a little shout out to our church. I don't know when we're announcing it, but we're starting Northwest Kids Unlimited, which is a special needs program for our children here. Mark is over there right now. It's amazing. Matt and Jess Wentworth are doing incredible work. So if you have a child with special needs, please get them the help they need immediately. The, the time is precious. And get them the help they need right away. But so my son Mark, nearly every night sings Jesus Loves Me. I will give you a heads up. I talk about my kids. I cry. That's just my rule. There's no way around it. I love my kids. So... Mark sings, Jesus loves me. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't know why we sing it. He doesn't know what he's saying. But Hope and I stand on the faith that he is being obedient and that God is going to grant him understanding of the sacrifice that was made for him, that God will grant him understanding of the fulfillment that a relationship with our Father in Heaven can bring. We stand on that faith, and he sings that song obediently. He's getting pretty good at it. <laughs> Sorry about that. With obedience comes understanding. Number three, Know your father's voice. The freedom and the healing that you experience in worship, do you walk in that daily? A few weeks ago, Pastor Mark was talking about this little old man that used to go to church he was in that would just like shuffle in like he was basically crippled and then worship would start and he'd be running the backs of the pews. Some of you don't even know what pews are. So we have chairs here. There are chairs you can't move. So he'd be running the backs of those pews and then service would be over and he said he'd shuffle out of there. And that just made me think, I'm like, man, I wanna, I feel like, I feel like we should be living in the freedom that comes in worship daily. You know when you're in worship and you, you're just in that presence of God and you feel, you so freely give forgiveness. You so easily extend grace
That can be daily. We are called to worship daily. That, that ease that you forgive and extend grace to those that have wronged you and hurt you, that is a daily thing for us. So about knowing your father's voice. God cannot be any closer to us than he is right now. He is in your heart. He cannot get any closer. Yet in worship, a lot of times, a lot of us will be crying out to him, oh God, draw near to us, draw near to us. He has. You have to draw near to him. During the week, you've forgotten about him. You've pushed him aside to do what you wanted to do. We must draw near to him again. Your heart determines the depth of worship. You see people that are so much, they, they walk in such freedom during worship, and you're like, why? Why are they able to do that? Why can't I do that? Draw near to God and honestly give him your heart. And I promise you, you'll be able to go deeper in worship. So I want to give you an example. I've got this prop I stole from the dance team here. But I want right now, picture this stage as it represents your, your week, your life. You know, you've got your kids here, your work here, your, your sports here, your family is here. This is, the, this is our life. This is where we operate day in and day out. And when it gets really frustrating and really difficult, or it's Sunday, we think, okay, no, I'm going to consciously make the decision to pursue God. So I need to forget about all of this. I'm going to pursue God. And so you go into this little, mentally, you go into this little compartment where you're like, I'm going to focus on the Lord. So you're like, I'm putting all that behind me, and I'm going to come in here, and I'm going to focus on God right now. And you go in there and you get filled up and then maybe when you leave on Sunday, you're like, oh, I wish I had that tomorrow. Where, oh. And then in your head, you're already like, by Wednesday, I'm going to be just as drained and just as exhausted. And what I'm telling you is that we are thinking about this the complete opposite way. That we need to turn this door around. That we experience God in our daily life. That when we're in his presence, that is when we're moving. That's when we're taking the kids to school, when we're at our job, when we're at home, when we're with family. This is where the presence of God should reside with us. Day in and day out in everything that you do. And so when you flip it around and you leave the presence of God and you step through and you realize, I have not heard him all day. I haven't felt his spirit pull on my heart all day. Something is wrong. I need to get back into my routine. I need to get back into the presence. We think about it backwards. This isn't something that we step out of life to get into the presence of God. We're to take the presence of God into our life. Fourth thing is we need to raise our low point. Praise and worship has to be a habit. Why is that? Because when everything goes wrong, you go back to what you know. When everything hits the fan, nothing works out how you want it to, you go back to your habit and what you know. 
Worship and praise must be your normal. We have to make decisions every day about how we're going to handle that day or our family or our coworkers. Before you leave, you wake up, have your devotions, and you say, today I will praise you. I don't care what happens. You are God, not my circumstances. I will praise you no matter what. And then you go about your day. You have to make that decision now, and you have to make that decision every day before you leave. Your normal has to be worship and praise and trusting in our Father. So many people ask God, Father, raise my ceiling, raise my potential, which I agree with. I'm down with that. Raise my potential, but do not forget to raise your standard. Raise your minimum. It should look like an elevator going up, not this... You shouldn't have this, this from your ceiling, this plummet down into, into where your, your base is. When you have a bad day and you fall out of relationship, it should look like my bad day now is, ah, I didn't listen to an extra sermon today. Yes, I had my devotions. Of course, I worshiped on the way to work or to school. Yes, obviously I did that, but I didn't listen to an extra sermon today. That should be where we fall to, not... I've fallen, I'm struggling in lust, I'm drowning in jealousy, and you're carrying all that hate and that jealousy and that lust into your home, back to your children. We have to raise our standard. We have to raise what we accept as our minimum. Don't just look at what your potential is. God will raise your potential as you grow in relationship with him. Raise your standard. So how are we able to keep his presence at work, at home, being the only Christian? I know a lot of you are like, you just told me about your sisters and your family. Like, yeah, I bet I could worship God every day. You know, you're the worship pastor. It's kind of your job. Um, listen, I know a lot of you have it really difficult and difficult situations. And I'm here to tell you, I don't care. Because God is bigger than that. It doesn't matter to him what your situation is. He wants to help you through it, but you still have to do what you've been called to do. It might be more difficult for you, but you still have to do what he's called you to do. I'm sorry, it's difficult, I am. But you still have to do what he's told you to do. So what does this look like day in and day out? You're the only Christian in your workplace. You're the only believer in your family. Well, it starts with speaking truth. Learn God's word and speak it. Like John 4, 24 says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. We have to know his word and speak it. The next thing is you have to guard your spirit. What you watch, what you hear, what you say, what you allow yourself to remain in the presence of, that is being said. So my, uh, my step on your toes question for the day is, if I were to look at your streaming service, whatever it may be, Netflix, Amazon, HBO Go, whatever it is, if I were to look at your history, would it look any different than your completely unsaved neighbor? Or do you watch and listen and do the exact same thing every day? as your unsaved neighbor. We, want, we say we want to live a life of worship, but yet we're not willing to do the difficult things that make us a peculiar people that he's called us to be. If you can't see a difference between you and your unsaved neighbor, 
they're not going to see a difference. They don't see it. I get it. These shows are entertaining. I get it. You know what? A lot of things are fun that God's called us not to do. Guys, you can do this. This is what I'm telling you. This, is, this whole thing is exciting to me because you can do this. It's not that hard. You guys can do this. So we guard our spirit. We speak truth. You get alone and you praise God. If you don't have anyone around you that is a believer or your family, praise God for them. Cry out for those who are not able to cry out for themselves. It will not be easy. When you're tired, you worship and you thank him. When you fail, you worship and you thank him. When you have no ability to change the situation around you, you worship and you thank him. You need to grab your family, your work, your kids, everything around you, and you have to run into his presence every day. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what they think. None of that matters. You have to grab them and take them into his presence if they don't do it for themselves. Again, Luke 9 says, if you keep quiet, the stones will cry out. If you keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Now, everybody was given a stone as you came in. And if, if you don't have yours still, then just symbolically, you have your stone still. We must not let a rock or the trees or the rivers or the mountains do what we were called to do. I don't want this stone having to cry out and worship God because I didn't. Because I didn't teach my family how to. I don't want the stones to have to cry out for my children because I wasn't the priest that I was called to be. And they never learned how we worship. We were designed and called to praise him and to worship him. And I want you to make the decision today that these rocks, they're not gonna have to cry out for us anymore. So if you don't mind standing with me, I want us to just, to tell God that we are going to take up the mantle of worship and that we are going to be what and who he has called us to be. That we will praise him when it's difficult, when we're alone, when we have no support, when we're tired, that we will worship him. He's not gonna need this stone to cry out and speak of his glory anymore because we will carry the mantle of worship.